Welcome to Upholding Matters, a podcast devoted to talking about what matters. Now, I was raised to believe that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness were things that mattered. And certainly they are the unalienable rights that Jefferson wrote about in the Declaration of Independence. We will talk about how to uphold them, how they hold us up, and why that matters. Welcome to Upholding Matters. I'm your host, David Paul. Today is the beginning of February. There are chills in the air, let me say. You know, there are thrills as well, I suppose. But we have a lot to talk about. Again, it'll be a mixed bag of around here and over there and all the stuff that is really confounding. I can tell you right at the start that I've been making a comeback or a check back in, let's say, on social media. And I've always not come off Twitter, but I just never tweeted. And I have to admit, it was due to some lack of experience, a technical error. I had sworn off the Facebook and it had been uh, almost maybe over a couple of years, but I lived without it. And it didn't feel like I was missing anything, to tell you the truth. I mean, mostly when I was with actual people and we were talking, then I would hear things or have people tell me, well, hey, we haven't seen you or heard from you or Did you see that, or are you still on Facebook? So, it's funny that before it didn't exist for me, or anyone, then it did, and then it didn't, and now it does again. So, I saw a piece on the news. My God, it makes you wonder, what's fake news? Is it fake news? But basically, there's new software and algorithms, almost like artificial intelligence, that can splice in things into video clips of people and, you know, just the ability to make parodies that seem real is now taken to the next level. And let's face it, that could confuse people. So that takes us to from my point of view, the most shocking parts of this last week. And some of it had to do with all the intelligence chiefs, the head of the CIA, the FBI director, the Dan Coates, the NSI. So they all spoke together before Congress, and there's a whole report they put together. It's over 70 pages. I'm not sure, excuse me for not having that number. But it's a nice printed out thing you can look at online. And basically, they had conclusions. Number one, Russia continues to try and influence our elections. And this cyber sophistication, this ability to put together videos that look real, all this stuff is coming to change the course of, you know, how we consume things online. 
what is fake and what isn't. And for now, I'm so glad that there are people like John Brennan and Malcolm Nance and Phil Mudd and all these intelligence professionals you see on TV that can still tell you what's going on. But I don't want to say too much about this, take too much time. But it does drive me crazy because today, after Donald Trump saw the news yesterday and uh, people are spinning it, so that's, I imagine, his terminology into they said, this is insanity. Supposedly he called them all into the Oval Office today and then said that they said that it was fake news and they were mischaracterized. And it's like this insane game of appeasement that they have to sit back and, you know, I don't think they said any of those things. And they have to just not refute that, not say, hey, no, we did not say that. It's just, God, it's so scary. And a lot of the um, posts I see on Facebook have to do with depression and just uh, suicides in the military, suicides in population, death rates from addiction. People are depressed, and I've called that the world unraveling dissociative disorder. And, well, what the heck is that? But if you're dissociated, you're just out of sorts. You're out of yourself. You're out of your normal comfort zone. And maybe that's good for some people, but for most it isn't. And with all the evidence that ties the Trump organization and administration to Russian efforts to subvert our democracy and drive us out of NATO and split us with allies, and it's just a dream come true for Putin, what's happening And that is just so hard to understand why all these Republicans who used to be so hawkish on America will let this happen. Even in the uh, new Congress, the Republicans are taking their time of turning over power and oversight committees and all these things. There's technical rules that prevent, you know, installation of the new group. So there's slow roll in that and just continuing to protect Donald Trump from real oversight. Now, that's a little down and I want to get up because did I tell you? This week I met the new vice chair of the House Oversight Committee, Katie Hill. What a pleasure at a Democratic event, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But I got to meet her. I got to talk to her twice. I got my picture taken with her. And she's a rock star. I mean, she's a young woman who has so much poise and presence that, and and confidence and determination. There's no hesitation. There's no sense of, duh, you know, some people just... Impress you more than others, and I have to tell you, Katie Hill impresses me, and we're going to talk more about that.
So we're back. And hey, I guess I do have a little bit of a cold. Forgive the raspiness. Maybe it makes me sound better. So we'll just go with that. Now, I mentioned that I'm back on social media. And you see a lot of things. And it's interesting. And, you know, there's issues. But one thing I saw today, and sometimes I don't like to see things that I might not look at. I mean, even if you told me there's a happy ending, the trauma of it, I might not want to go through. And my uh, friend Shannon Thomas, he's the head of the local branch of the NAACP I belong to, he put in a video of a baby. It was a newborn baby, a little bitty baby. And it looked stillborn. And basically what was happening was, you know, in perspective, the little bitty baby, the doctor's fingers were huge, but the doctor was rubbing the baby's chest. And like in semicircular motions to get its heart going. Now, who knows how to do that? You know, a lot of people might do CPR, but on a premature infant, I mean, my goodness. But I was compelled to watch, and what seemed like an eternity is probably really only 10 or 20 seconds. The baby revived and came to life and started moving and breathing. And basically, he saved the life of a baby that would have been probably considered, I'm not a doctor, so... But, you know, they're stillborn. Babies that never breathe once they're born and just die. And you wonder, that's why I don't necessarily like to think about those things because the questions come up, how many babies that were stillborn could have been resuscitated and why would someone who had that even want to think like that because life is just moments in time. But I think what sticks with me most is that what the doctor did wasn't that difficult. They just knew what to do. And that can be the value of wisdom and experience and someone having been there before or practiced being there. And that is why they're there to help save lives. So I'm always a big fan of trying to pare down on what it all means. And today in the news, there were a couple of things in a continuation of the Trump Intel chiefs debacle. You know, he called them all to the Oval Office. So it's Dan Coates, and he's the director of national intelligence, and Gina Hasbrit, she's the CIA director, and I probably slaughtered her name too. But they're the ones that had to go there and have a picture taken and have Trump tell everybody, not with them on camera certainly, but that they were misquoted and taken out of context, and they felt that it was fake news. And I got to tell you, that that stuff, it's hard for a professional to subject themselves even to having to sit in the Oval Office and have a picture taken and then have Trump go out there and characterize it like that. I would imagine that when they're all relieved of their formal duty, they can give a good accounting of what actually happened and how that felt. I mean, it's like, must be, 
like being in an Alice in Wonderland cartoon or something. I don't even know what that is, but, you know, there's a distinct difference. You, know, you can be all over the road, but there's a difference between sorting through multiple things and living in multiple realities. What Donald Trump was trying to do is just tell us that because he says so, they think that they were misquoted and he's right. And it's, it's so hard to fathom. I, uh, I guess they just, because he does hold the office, they have to go along. So Gina Haspel, the CIA director, and Dan Coates, the director of national intelligence, they're in the picture. It's John Bolton's in there, and uh, it's just hard to get your head around. So now the other stunner to say, there's a governor in Virginia. His name is Ralph Northam, and he's a... uh, ex-military, he's also a doctor, and he's in a fight that I'll just call the arrogance of youth. He was, uh, I don't know, outed, I guess you'd say, by somebody who's looking for dirt on all sorts of political opponents. And in his college yearbook, I mean, he's, you know, becoming a doctor, He's got in a picture uh, in a Ku Klux Klan suit, and the other guy in the picture is in blackface. And it's semi-insensitive, outright insensitive. You see the range of, you know, excuses, and it's not something that I would have done or would ever do. So... It's really um, one of those very difficult things because, well, the guy's a baby doctor. And I think to myself, if he had saved your baby's life, you'd probably cut him a little more slack. I don't know. One thing's for certain, it wasn't very smart. It was definitely tone deaf. It's just stupidity. And I'm thinking about what's smart, and I remember Donald Trump saying how he's very smart and he's very well-educated, got the best words and all his stuff. And I'm thinking, if you're smart, people don't doubt it. Unless, of course, you go around telling them how smart you are. And... People don't get dumb and smart confused. Unless, of course, you're not that smart. But that sounds like a put down, and I don't mean it. I just mean that some people are not geared to be critical thinkers. They just don't enjoy doing it. And I just keep thinking to myself, well, but this is the challenge of our time to be ever more critical, not negatively, but just factually accurate about what we're witnessing and what is happening and what's at stake. And it's like watching this near-dead baby. It's, it's sad. 
it's heart-wrenching to take on some of these issues. And we have to remember there's always multiple sides. Not everyone is wrong. Certainly not everyone is right. But we all love this country. I rewatched recently, just tonight actually, Bruce Lee Enter the Dragon. And one of my favorite movies, well, there's two, Kentucky Fried Movie, which has a spiff on Under the Dragon, and Undercover Brother with Eddie Murphy. And he's got a whole thing where he's watching that movie and he's warning, watch out, Jim Kelly, watch out. And so in this movie, Jim Kelly is accosted by two white police officers and they call him a name and I'm not going to say it, but... The actor who said it is acting, and now he said it, and he's on a film with that mean, angry face saying these racist things, and, you know, we just have to get past that and love one another to the degree we can and laugh. Watch Undercover Brother. My gosh, is that a funny movie. Again, and I have to say, I have to say that I thought I had wrapped it up. I was a few minutes short. That's easy to live with. But my wife, who is my editor, told me that, hey, you said you were going to come back and talk about Katie Hill. And I said, yeah, I guess I did. And who wants to leave Katie Hill off. I mean, I'm all excited. I, I, I told my wife that I was leaving her to go work for the campaign, and she was very, you know, oh, she was okay with that. And uh, that's kind of like a status of me right here, you know. I'm, uh, I could be doing other things, I guess, instead of pestering everyone, making a podcast at home. But it works out. We've almost 30 years been married, and it's uh, it's always never what you expect. Life, life, who knew? Who knows? You know, I know Katie Hill, though, is, is very impressive, and I love the media that she generates, and um, Atasia Cortez, I, when they go out and they start, you know, hunting Mitch down, and it's it's incredible television, really. It's almost like the ultimate irony to beat Donald Trump at reality TV like that. Two young ladies come out of nowhere, and I talked about that. You know, of all the Democrats that I admire and stuff, the one that isn't running for president is Katie Hill, and... I think we'll get there, you know. But the Democrats have a, a shuffling to do. Saw one thing today about Bernie Sanders, and if Bernie Sanders is the uh, candidate on the ticket, would you vote for him? You know, has his ship sailed, or 
or all these other can well but if he wins the nomination right so I like Katie Hill and uh, I got to tell her a story so the first time I met her at the Democratic Club function I had my sport coat on and I just shook her hand and trying to get a picture, but I just wanted to tell her that I've just become a Democrat and I'm going to look forward to her help when I run for mayor again to get this town going in that direction. So it was very cordial and I gave her the card for this podcast and I hope she's listened. But then I came back because I decided, well, I'm, you know, my wife, that's exactly what I told her. If I don't get a picture with you, my wife will have words. Now, I've mentioned on this show before that Steve Knight and I have known each other for a dozen or more years, probably closer to 15. He was on the Palmdale City Council, and the first time I ran for mayor, I went there to introduce myself and... I thought that was the right thing to do. So we connected at that moment, and then I followed his career, and, you know, he's the one that Katie Hill replaced. Knocked him out. So I just told her. I came up the second time with my coat off and uh, had to tell her I met her before. I'm sorry to take more time, but I got to get the picture, and... Then I told her that I kidded Steve Knight about did he fly back to California with Nancy Pelosi because that's a nice plane I think they give her to fly. And he just, you know, it's a joke because, oh my God, no, could not get on that plane. But Katie Hill might get to, and what a fun time that must be. The ladies getting on the jet, just coming home to California. It's pretty inspiring. I really like it. And next time I'll talk about the WRA, the Women's Repatriation Amendment that the character I used for my television show, The Free Thinker, the uh, frozen beatnik that was running for president, his platform includes having a third party that's women, basically constitutionally uh, prescribed, and I'll tell you a little more about it. I, I love women on the march. I've long known they're our hope. And Katie Hill is something special. Mm-hmm.